We are in chapter 2 of the Gospel of Mark. This morning's message is entitled, The One with Authority. We are going to be looking at chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. And we are going to be looking at Jesus healing an individual with paralysis. And that's really the backdrop of what's going on. It's actually not the main point of the story. And so I'm going to read this, and then we're going to pray, and we're going to dive right in. So starting in verse 1. And when he returned to Capernaum, after some days it was reported that he was at home, and many were gathered together, so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. And they came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, Why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they were questioning within themselves, said to them, Why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Rise, Take up your bed and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw anything like this. Would you pray with me? Father, I am uh, always impressed, and impressed is too small a word, but I am impressed at how you have knitted your word together in such a way that it has more meaning than we could dare to ever comprehend and fully grasp. I'm thankful for your word. I'm thankful for the truth that is in this text, Lord. And I'm thankful for the authority that Christ has demonstrated as he speaks to the masses, as he speaks to the religious leaders. Father, I ask that you would bless us now as we read your word, as we study your word, and as I preach your word. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. The one with authority. So at the outset, if you read this text, and the majority of individuals, and in fact, even if you look in your Bibles, especially, so I'm reading from the ESV, but most of us, if you're looking through the NIV or the uh, the New King James, or whatever it might be, you're going to have a little heading there, 
and that heading says, Jesus heals a paralytic, because that's sort of the main structure of the text, right? It's, it's, there's a lot, of, uh, a lot of Jesus healing in this passage, and we see Jesus healing several individuals in these first few chapters of Mark, but if you just look at the heading and you assume that that's the main focus of the passage, you'd be wrong. Because the main focus of the passage is not Jesus healing the paralytic. The healing of the paralytic was merely a tool that Jesus was using to demonstrate His authority to all who were there. In fact, this passage right here is one of the most profound passages that declares who Christ is, why He has come, and the authority that has been given to him by the Father. And so this passage is actually would, be, would, have been, would have been seen as exceptionally controversial during this day. Now we read it and we just take it for granted, you know, that Jesus says, you know, which is easier to say your sins are forgiven or to heal someone to, or to get up, take your bed up and walk, right? Which is easier? And we read and we skip on through and we keep on going and we move right on through the, through the book of Mark and we never really think anything of it. But if we stop and we pause on this text, we, we see that what Christ was saying was profound, was profound. And it lays the foundation for all that is going to come in Mark. This is that initial point where he's really going to rile up the religious leaders. Now, we're going to get into this, and I'm just going to walk verse by verse through this today. I, I emailed Derek this morning, or I texted him. I said, we're not going to have any bullet points or anything like that. We're just going to have Scripture, and I'm just going to walk us through this text this morning because I think that's the best way to study this one. And, but as we get down to the bottom, what we're going to see is you're going to see these religious leaders... And they're going to question Christ in their hearts, and they're going to think, who is this man who says he can forgive sins? Only God has the power to forgive sins. Now, you might be thinking, well, these religious leaders were very concerned with the authority of Scripture or the authority of God when it comes to forgiving sins, or may have been very concerned with just good, proper theology. That couldn't be further from the truth. The religious leaders were not concerned about the power of the gospel, the power of God's ability to forgive sins. They were concerned, first and foremost, for their own power. You see, if there is a man who can come and who can legitimately forgive sins, or at the very least convince the multitudes, that he can convince sins. Now this man holds the power. He holds the authority. And what do the people need me for now? Right? What do the people need the priests? And what do the people need the scribes and the Pharisees for? And the answer is, if Christ has the authority, then they do not. And here's the truth. The scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees never, never had ultimate authority. They had been given some authority. They'd been given some to lead services in the temple, in the synagogues. They had been given authority to provide structure 
to the faith. But they had never been given authority to forgive sins because that authority rests in God alone. And they are right. The scribes are absolutely right. When they say only God has the authority to forgive sins. And that's why this passage is so astounding. Because what Jesus is saying is, I am God. Therefore, I have the authority. So let's walk right through here. It says in verse 1, And when he returned to Capernaum, after some days, it was reported that he was at home. Now remember, when we left Jesus in chapter 1, he had done some healing of the leper. And then he told the man with leprosy, he said, don't go tell anybody because he was trying to refrain this massive crowd from coming and basically interrupting his ministry so early on. It was very early in his ministry. And if he went and tells everybody what happens, now it's going to interrupt his ministry. Well, the healed man couldn't help himself, like we said, and he goes out and he shares the good news with everyone And the masses come. And so it says, when he returns to Capernaum in verse 1, after some days it was reported that he was at home. The reports are going out. This man who can heal a leper, who can cure illnesses, who can heal the sick, he's back home, let's go visit, right? And so maybe the crowds have ceased a little bit. Let's let's see what happens. And when many, and many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. What is that word? That word is the good news. It is the good news that the kingdom of God has come. It was the good news that while you were dead in your sins, you do not have to remain dead, for I am here and I have the power to forgive your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe. Now, I dare say that if Christ walked into these doors today, well, it would be the second coming, so that's another thing. But let's just, just, just follow me here, okay? If Christ comes in, imagine we transplant this, this congregation back to first century, all right? And he walks in. I'm just going to take a seat, all right? And he's going to stand up here, and what's he going to say? Repent and believe, for the kingdom of God is at hand. It is not a complicated message. I said this a few weeks ago. The gospel is not complicated. Humans complicate it. The gospel is simple. We are sinners. God is not. God is God. We are not. And we need salvation And God has provided a way through Jesus Christ, His Son. Repent, turn from your unbelief, and believe in the name of Jesus Christ, the only name by which we are saved. That's the message. Now, there's a lot of parables, and we can get into the thickness of the theology and stuff like that. But I will tell you, if your theology and your discussions about theology and doctrine and all that stuff, if they take you away, draw you away from the simple message that God is good and loves us and that we are sinners in need of saving, if your theology distracts you from that, then you need to get a new theology. You need to start studying new doctrine. You need to read different books 
Because the gospel is not complicated. And so Jesus is preaching the word to them. And they came in bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. So he's preaching the word and all these individuals. Now, you have to forgive him. I mean, you'd think, well, aren't, aren't, they're just going to interrupt him. He's preaching the gospel right now. Just sit down and he'll deal with your illnesses later. Folks, this is a massive deal. Here's a man who can heal the blind. He can heal the leper. He can heal the paralytic. These men are carrying this paralytic man in. And they have got to get this man to them because this, this man, Jesus, is going to heal them. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, so the crowd is still swarming Jesus, they removed the roof above him. And when they, when they had made an opening, they had let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. Now let's just pause there for a minute and talk about the, the physics of this, okay? Now, I've moved a lot in my life. And I've had a lot of people that have helped me move, so much so that they've told me that I better never move again. One item in particular was an upright piano. We had help moving that thing in, we had help moving that out, and I got orders that we will never have another piano go in that house ever again. Not by my wife, but by people who were moving it, all right? Those are big, right? But we got it in there, and the physics worked out, okay? In this day, in order to get this man in the house, they didn't just like open their bay doors. They had to go in through the roof. And this wasn't some like tin roof or something like that. This roof was made of sticks and twigs and branches that would have been patched together, tied together, and then they would have been sealed with clay. So for this roof to be removed, it would have been damaged in some way to get this door. that didn't necessarily just open. Now, some of them would, all right? Some of them would. It is likely, though, they had to actually physically open this thing, okay? And they lowered this man in through the roof on this bed, probably with ropes, and it says, and they let the man down on a bed, on the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven. Now, if we had bullet points, this would be the first bullet point, okay? They brought the man in for healing physically, and Jesus is healing spiritually. And people might say, well, Jesus missed the point. They wanted him healed physically. And what Jesus, Jesus is not ignoring his physical pain. What Jesus is saying, I'm going to do the main healing you need. You can survive in this paralytic state. All right? You can survive in this life with this paralytic state. You cannot survive eternally without me forgiving your sins. He needed to be healed physically. He needed more to be healed spiritually. And it says that Jesus saw their faith. What was their faith? Their faith was all four. And we're not just talking about the paralytic man. We're talking about all four. Drawing this man in realized who this Christ was. Now, they didn't have all the information, I'm, I'm sure. But they were to garner enough information 
to point them to the fact that this man was of God. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. He just makes that claim right there. He doesn't touch him. He doesn't do any special magical incantation. I was on spring break this week, and I watched all the Harry Potter movies again for like the umpteenth time. It's always funny when they do that little wand and abracadabra or whatever the word is, right? Jesus doesn't have to do any of that. Your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts. They weren't even talking about it. They were just thinking it. The Lord knows our hearts. You can't hide what you're thinking. Sometimes I have to tell my kids when they say something, I have to tell them, it's okay if you think that. It's not okay if you say that. You ever want to tell somebody that? Right? It's like, we need to have our filters on. Right? We put our filters. Well, the truth is, there are certain things that we shouldn't even be thinking. Because it's not, even that, it's not just our mouths that are tainted by sin, it's our hearts and our minds that are tainted by sin. And so the Lord knows what we're even thinking at times. So we need to be forgiven of our thoughts even. It says, now some of the scribes are sitting there questioning in their hearts, why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. That is a massive accusation. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Now in the minds of the scribes, what Jesus is doing in the, in, while, when they use the word blaspheming, he is saying he is taking the place of God. He's taking the place of God. Now here's what's ironic, is that if we look through the New Testament and we see the behavior of the scribes and the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they too have been attempting to take the place of God by rewriting the rule books, if you will. By adding all these laws and adding all these these things, these stipulations to God's law to make it more difficult to follow God without them being in control. And see, that's really what's going on. When they're adding all these stipulations and stuff, it's adding more power to them so that people have to come to them in order to be holy, in order to be clean. Who is this man that's taking the power out of our hands? That's really what they're saying. Who is this man who is trying to take our place? Why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And the answer is no one. No one can forgive sins but God alone. In verse 8, and immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, why do you question these things in your hearts? Now that should have shocked them in there in the very beginning. That right there should have shocked them. How does he know our minds? How does he know our hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take up your bed, and walk? Now, I'm going to tell you, 
That may sound like a real simple verse. But yesterday, as I was preparing for this message, I went upstairs to our loft where, where's my, where my library is, and I had all my Mark commentaries. And I pulled them all out because I wanted to see what the commentators said about this passage. Because while it seems really simple, it, it's, it can get a little bit confusing. Like, what does it mean? I mean, he's just saying something. Well, I mean, verbally, it's easier to say. It's, it's, it's not difficult to say either one of those. You can say both of them. It's, it's just words, right? Which is easier to say to the paralytic? Your sins are forgiven. Or to say, rise, take up your bed and walk. Well, here's the issue. If he says, your sins are forgiven, who knows that? Who can see the difference? Who can see whether or not it has actually happened, right? Because when you are healed spiritually, it doesn't mean all of a sudden you get this glow about you, you know? It's, it's not as if you've gotten like, you know, some sort of like physical transformation about yourself, when your sins are forgiven, because for, uh, sins being forgiven, that is a spiritual transformation, not a physical transformation. And so on the outset, it's much easier to say your sins are forgiven because nobody can question you. But if he were to say, rise, take up your bed and walk, well, that's a physical component. That's a visual component. Because now people are going to be looking to see whether or not he can actually do what he commands them to do. Can he actually heal the paralytic? Does this man actually have the authority to heal the paralytic? There is a particular theologian, an evangelist, an apologist, if you will, um, and I, I'm not going to name his name, uh, but he's, he's a fairly popular individual, and he was born with uh, several physical disabilities, none of them mental, all of it was physical, and so he has to have help getting around with uh, the help of wheelchairs and, and, um, and, and different devices. He has a difficult time walking. His mind is very sharp. But when he was younger, his parents would continually take him to all these different faith healers to see whether or not they could heal him. And none of them could. None of them could heal this man. And it greatly affected his faith. Because he says, he, he said, that they do not have the authority that they said they had. If they actually had the authority to heal, then they could, they could heal me. But they don't have that authority. Now, I'm not arguing healings. I believe that can be a real thing. I think it's far fewer than we often might like to hope. When I talk about healings, I'm talking about 
these sort of like mass healings and stuff and, and services and things. But I do believe God heals and continues to heal. And we pray for that regularly here. But in this case, this man's faith was greatly harmed by that. Because he said this obviously that these preachers and these pastors and these healers did not have the authority to heal. But in this case, Jesus says, which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say rise up and take your bed and walk. Because if, if the man is actually healed, and if he gets up and takes his bed and walk, then he has the authority to heal. And what's interesting here is that if he has the authority to tell a paralytic to take his bed, get up and walk, then he also has the authority to say your sins are forgiven. Because the same authority that helps the man heal that paralytic is the same authority that allows him to heal us of our sins. Because the authority comes from the Father. When the disciples, when the apostles were going through in the New Testament, and when Jesus had given them authority to heal and to work miracles, that was not the disciples' power that was doing the healing. It was the power of God that was working through them. It was not some human conjuring up this Harry, Bot Harry Potter incantation to heal somebody. No, this is the power of God at work through the disciples and through the apostles. Who is this Jesus? Well, he has the power to heal, and he also has the power to heal us of our sins. He says in verse 10, But that you may know that the Son of Man, and we will get back into what the Son of... We're not going to talk about that today. But that phrase, Son of Man, matters. That's a special designation for Christ that we're going to see later on in the, chat, in the book. But that you may know that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. You see, the main point of this passage is not the healing of the paralytic. It is to identify Christ as the one with authority to forgive sins. That's the whole point. The whole point, it is, remember when we were talking about providence, it was by God's providence that Christ would be there that day in Capernaum. It was by God's providence that those four men would bring a paralytic in. And it was by God's providence that those scribes and those Pharisees would be present to hear Jesus say, I, forgive, I see your faith, I forgive you of your sins, and for them to question in their hearts, who has the power to forgive sins but God? That was all God's providence because Christ wanted to have a very literal, a, 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 a demonstration of his power and authority so that he could prove that he has the power and the authority to forgive sins. Because if he just goes around forgiving sins, no one's going to see the results. But if he can heal sickness, then it bears out that he can also forgive sins. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And in verse 12, and he rose, and immediately, there's that word again, immediately, picked up his bed and went out before them all, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anyone or anything 
like this. Now, why is it important that he immediately got up? Well, you all, this is, that's a very simple explanation. When you all are sick, when I'm sick, when I take medication or go get treated, it doesn't work like that. Although I will say that Tums is almost a miracle drug. All right, I'm just going to say, all right, I can pop a Tums in there. And I'm like, I'm ready to eat some spicy food again, okay? Which is why I needed the Tums in the first place, but that's another story, okay? But in all seriousness, medications, physicians, treatments and stuff, it takes time to work. Jesus did not say, you are healed Now lay in this bed for a few weeks so you can recover. No, he said, take up your bed and walk. And the man takes up his bed and he walks, demonstrating the power and the authority of Christ. Now here's what is beautiful. When Christ, like when he says, take up your bed and walk, when he says your your sins are forgiven, There is not a time period in there that we have to wait in order for that forgiveness to take effect. It's not like, well, he said my sins are forgiven, but I need to do two good works every day, and I need to make sure to help the person across the street. I need to make sure I do this and this and this in order for his forgiveness to take effect. When Jesus says your sins are forgiven, folks, your sins are forgiven. There's nothing that we do to accompany the forgiveness of sins by God. He just does, and we are. We never saw anything like this. Because there were others that had come before Christ, claiming to be the Messiah. Jesus was not the first, okay, to come forth and say, I am the Messiah, I am the Christ. I am the droid you have been waiting for. That's a Star Wars joke. Anyway, you get it? There are others that have come before, but they had never seen anything like this. Who has the authority to heal, to to forgive us of our sins? The same one who has the authority to tell that man to get up and walk, and he walks. Christ... in everything and above everything has the authority over my life and your life. He has the authority over the whole world. When he says, repent and believe for the kingdom of God is at hand, that kingdom is universal. It's universal. For individuals who say there is no God, He still has authority over them. For individuals who say there is no Christ, He still has authority over Him. For individuals who say that it doesn't matter how you live and that you follow Christ, that I'm going to eat, drink, and be married for tomorrow I die, Christ still has authority over them. It's not a question of who, of, of whether or not Christ has authority. He has authority. It's a question of whether or not you are going to acknowledge it. That's the question. 
And if you're like me, you see people just beating against that door, beating against that authority, trying in every which way to live their life on their own terms. It's like buying a piece of furniture from Ikea. Say, I'm going to build this without the instructions. You bought a table and it turned out to be a stool with 50% of the parts left over. Folks, life only works the way it was designed if we are following the designer. To close, I will tell you this. This is a really simple passage. This is not a complicated passage. What's complicated is not understanding what the Bible is saying about Christ having authority. What's complicated is the fact that people won't acknowledge His authority. And here's what, what I will say as I close, is that several years ago, and I've, I've probably said this before, I was working with a ministry up towards Louisville, and it was with some underprivileged, at-risk youth, and uh, they wanted me to come up and, and lead music for them and then to share the gospel with them. And, uh, and folks, I, I just want to tell you, I, I'll, I'll fully admit, is that I'm not a natural evangelist. I'm just not. I'm not a natural advantage, uh, evangelist. Uh, the Lord has given me some giftedness in certain areas, but uh, evangelism, I would not call that like a gift. And what I mean by that, that doesn't mean that I can avoid evangelism. I still have to evangelize, okay? That's the Great Commission. But I'm not, you've seen some of these individuals that are just natural evangelists, Right? They can just go ahead and they can just share the gospel. And I'm, I'm not that. I'm not a natural evangelist. And so if you're not a natural evangelist, one, let me say, that's okay. It's not okay not to do it. You still got to go out and share the gospel, okay? And so I'm not a natural evangelist. And so when I went to this, this event, I thought to myself, well, what am I going to do? What am I going to say? You know, how, how am I going to get this gospel through them, and I thought back to what I said earlier in this message, is that the gospel is not complicated. The gospel is accessible. It's not complicated. In fact, we tend to mess the gospel up when we overcomplicate it. And so I, I thought, well, I'm just going to make this really simple. And what's simple is what we all see. And so I stood up before this crowd of individuals and by God's grace they were paying attention and I just started off by saying it was a very simple message and I looked at them and I said it doesn't matter if you are a Christian or if you are an atheist or if you're an agnostic or if you're a Buddhist or you're a Hindu it does not matter when you look at the world, you see that something's broken. It doesn't matter what your worldview is. You can have any worldview in the world, but when you look out into the world, you see that something is broken. Something is not right. Something is not the way it should be. 
So it doesn't matter what worldview you hold to, you can see that. And at that point when I said that, all the heads started nodding. They all understood that. They all understood that based on their experience, based on what they could see with their eyes and they've experienced in their lives, that something was broken in the world. It's just that they couldn't put a finger on what it was. And so I said, it doesn't matter what your worldview is, you can see that it's broken. What I want to tell you is this, is that there is only one worldview that has an answer for it, and that's the gospel. Only the gospel can explain why there is brokenness and how we are rescued from it. And we all want rescued from the brokenness. And they all nodded their heads yes. They all wanted out of this broken plight. And then just simply shared the gospel. This is the gospel. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to see that there are a lot of jacked up things in the world right now. The problem is that the majority of the world is trying to solve it with their own intelligence, their own intuition, their own worldview, and these worldviews that are false. Take that Ikea table that you're trying to build into a stool. And the instructions, though, say you need a hammer. This is a silly analogy, but it's true. You need a hammer to put this table together. And so you ask somebody for a hammer. I ask Christy, I say, Christy, I'm trying to put this table together. Can you give me a hammer? And she hands me a pancake. I know, silly. Is that pancake effective in nailing that nail into that table? Absolutely not. The pancake doesn't work. Why not? Because you needed a hammer, not a pancake. The pancake just won't work. There is only one thing that will save us from our sins, and that is Christ. And so when everybody says, well, I have this way of salvation, and I have this way of salvation, folks, those are faulty tools. They don't function. They're not meant for that purpose. There is only one thing that can save us, and that is Jesus. Now, you all are going to go back and you're going to say, Chris said that all those other faiths are pancakes. Well, that's okay, all right? Because they're about that effective when it comes to saving you from your sins. The only thing that can is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Jesus says, who, when they ask, who has the authority to save sins other than God himself? He says, you are exactly right. Only God has the authority to save sins, and I am God. Do we acknowledge that authority? Turn your life over to Christ in every way. In every way. Many of us are good at turning our lives over in these really like small, specific, canned, boxed-in ways. I'm going to give the Lord this. I'm going to give the Lord this. I'm going to give the Lord this. He didn't call for an a la carte version of your life. He wants the whole thing. He wants the whole buffet. 
Give it all to Him and see how it works out. Give your kids to Him. Give your grandkids to Him. Give your spouse to Him. Give your church to Him. Give your enemies to Him. Let's pray. Father, thank You so much for Your Word. Thank You for the truth that is in Your Word. Lord, I ask that You would bless us as we close out our service, Lord. And Father, I know that many of us may have come here this morning with with different burdens, with different cares that we're struggling with, Lord. And I pray this morning that we would just lay them down. I pray that we would just trust the one who has all the authority to heal both physically and spiritually. Lord, we love you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.